Thanks, Jordan. I'm, I'm super excited to hang out with you guys. This is going to be a fun weekend. And, and uh, what a, I mean, this is like historic. This is historic. I mean, we're going on our first ever Salt Company Minnesota retreat, and uh, we're going to have a shared memory. It's going to be awesome. So if you're not signed up, um, then, then get signed up tonight. There's still time. That's, there's still time. And if you are signed up and you hate this message and you're like, oh, crap, dude, you're stuck. All right, so sorry. I mean, you're just, you're in. You're in. It's too late. Um, hey, I want to just real quick tell you about myself. Um, so I, I actually had this, this really crazy memory as, as we were worshiping that um, a big part of my God story happened up, in, up here in Minneapolis. I'm from Omaha originally, and, uh, and we, were, we were on this uh, trip. My, I don't know how I ended up on this trip. I think my parents, like, cajoled me to go. They somehow bribe me or whatever. I, I don't know how I ended up on this trip, but I'm like a skate punk in ninth grade. And uh, it was a summer after my ninth grade year. And, um, and I'm, they, what they did was it was like an event. It was called Operation Good News. And they're trying to teach you about your faith. And they, so you have classes in the morning where they teach you like why you believe what you believe, help you learn how to share your testimony, your God story, how you met Jesus. And then they basically in the afternoons, you load up these vans and they drop you off all around Minneapolis. And they dropped us off at this mall and they handed us a, a, a bunch of tracks. You know what tracks are? It's like how to know Jesus or whatever. And, and they're just like, go share these. And it was me and this guy, Bill. And Bill was also... Um, kind of a socially awkward guy. I wasn't, of course, um, but Bill was, you know. And but I was like this really insecure, uh, like skater punk kid. And so they hand me and Bill these like tracks, and like, okay, go share the gospel. And I, and I, I'm like standing here with these these tracks, and I look at Bill, and I'm like, if it's up to him, like we're just gonna walk around for the next three hours and not talk to anyone. So I'm like, Bill, hand me the tracks. So I so I grabbed him, and we just went up to like. The low-hanging fruit is usually the, the homeless guy, you know. <laughs> you find the homeless guy, talk to them, I, I, you know, because they're usually not as intimidating to talk to. They're, they're open to a discussion. Well, we found this guy. He was sitting on the bench, and we started talking to him. And this guy ended up, like, we got to the end, and I'm like, would you like to know Jesus or pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He's like, absolutely. I've never heard that before. And I was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what I just said. And you want to accept it? And you know, in that moment, it was like God was saying this, look, Mark, if I can use you, I can use anybody. I can use anybody. So fast forward, um, here I am. That was like 1992. Here we are, 2017. You guys, it has been a crazy journey. Like 10 years ago, I, 10 years uh, no, not 10 years ago, seven years ago at this time, um, my wife and I packed up everything that we had, our five kids at the time, we have six kids now, and five kids, we loaded up this U-Haul trailer and left Ames, Iowa. And I describe Ames as like ministry candy land. It's like, you know, when, when Troy Nesbitt, the pastor was like, hey, what would you think about moving to Iowa City? It's like asking a kid, if they want to like leave Chuck E. Cheese's or leave the candy store, it's like, no. But it was like, you know, sometimes when you're following God, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I'll do it. It's like, and I felt like God was inviting me into a journey. And uh, so 2010, we planted Veritas Church and Salt Company at the University of Iowa. It was the first uh, salt company planted outside of Ames. 
And you know, it's fun to see what God has done. It's like, like tonight, I feel like I'm a part of something and, and God's kind of like bringing me full circle back to a part of my God story that I had even uh, forgotten about. And so, um, like I said, so my wife and I have, uh, my wife, Letha, is amazing. We have six kids. She is, she is a rock star. Our house is like, a, um, we're kind of like urban hippies a little bit, like uh, the garden, you know, the chickens. And I'm like, as houses were built up around us, I'm like, we got to get rid of the chickens, you know? And uh, so we, we, it was like, it was like pulling teeth, like, no, we can't lose the chickens. I'm like, the rooster's out at like five in the morning. We have neighbors now. We got to get rid of Anyway, but my, my wife's into like health stuff and, and kind of a foodie. And she just is an amazing woman. She, she loves to learn. She's an amazing mom. Um, and she has just sacrificed so much uh, for our family. And I'm just so in love with her. Um, but we have six kids. And uh, all, let's see almost 16 down to five years old, okay, is the age range. Two girls bookend and uh, four boys in the middle. And so we're at this stage of, we like, we've been through all this, this parenting, all the, all the different stages of parenting. We were starting to get into the teen years and um, it's so fun, the, the different conversations. Like you should have kids just for the conversations that you're gonna have. Like one, one night, my, de- or my, my son, uh, he's, he's seven, he comes up to me, Jet, he's like, hey dad, I've been on the public school bus, you know, school bus, and I, I think I've got all the cuss words down now. I'm like, oh, awesome, Jet, that's sweet. Because I always make a point to like, I talk to him, about, I try to tell him things before they find out, you know? And so I, I quiz him. I'm like, or no, no, he's like, he's like, Dad, I even know the B word. And I was like, which one? He's like, there's more than one. And I was like, well, which one do you know? And he's like, balls. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's some others, man. I'll... Yeah. Like, you can just say balls after anything at that age, and it's funny. You know, it's like, dang. I said the B word. The other day, I was with my son, Beck. This has nothing to do with my mess. I'll try to bring it in, but it's just hilarious. Like, it's just a plug for having kids for cool conversations. But we were, my daughter had to get a, a colonoscopy. and they, Yeah, long story, but, but um, my, one of my sons, my 12-year-old, he was like, he's like, Dad. He's like, who invented the colonoscopy? I mean, he goes, were they just like, were they just like, hey, I wonder how far we can stick this up there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Matt, I don't know. I, that's a great question. How they invented that thing? Now you should Google that. No, don't Google that. It's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, at this stage in our life, like Leith and I, it's it's like one of the things. It's like getting a rare solar eclipse for us is like a date night. And and one night we were out on on a date and. Uh, so we're, we're out in Campus Town, and this is actually in Ames. We were, we were out in Campus Town, walking around. We get a date night. I'm like, let's go to, let's just experience, uh, you know, authentic Mexican. And so we went to this Mexican restaurant. We, we just were on a walk. We saw it, Campus Town. We go in. We sit down. She hands us a menu. And uh, we're like, so, uh, she's like, what can I get you? I'm like, well, do you guys have 
you know, chips and salsa, you know, usually good Mexican restaurants just bring that out. The salsa's flowing. And she's like, oh, sorry, we're out of salsa tonight. I'm like, she's like, do you want some guac? I'm like, no, I don't want guac. If you have no salsa at a Mexican restaurant, like, close the doors, right? <laughs> just say we're closed, we're done, no salsa. You know, that's like, sorry, you know, we just got up and left. Like, no salsa in the Mexican restaurant, close the doors. Here's, here's where we're going tonight. Here's what I want to talk about. <laughs> All right. Okay, what, okay, if, what, if, if we don't have this in Salt Company, like, what's the thing that if we don't have it, we should just close the doors, okay? If we don't have blank, just close the doors, okay? That's where we're going tonight. There's three things that if we don't have it, just shut the doors, okay? Ready? There's three things that we need if we're going to be the salt company, if we're going to be salt. Three things, hope, holiness, love. I'm getting this from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Just throw it out. If the Mexican restaurant doesn't have salt, just throw it out. And he, he says, if the salt, salt, that's us. If we lose our saltiness, just shut the doors. And this guy, Peter, got to hang out with Jesus. And he is explaining to us, I believe, what Jesus meant by not losing our saltiness. First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. I'm going to read the whole section. This is the God-inspired part of our, our message tonight, and the rest is sort of my commentary to it. So, so listen up. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you in Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Okay, here, here's some context. Peter is writing to a group of Christians who have been scattered throughout what he calls, um, this is like, well, this is like modern day Turkey in this, in this area. And Christians had been scattered. Um, Christians were being, being persecuted because of their faith. And Peter is saying to them, hey guys, um, you guys are, are 
elect strangers in this world. You guys are foreigners in this world, and I'm writing to you because I want you to remember something. And, and he, he begins there with this idea. He says in verse 13, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay, so in the first part, um, these are some of the most amazing verses that I skipped, uh, verses three through, uh, or the, that section right before he's talking about heaven. And he says, and actually in Greek, there's like one command here in verse 13. He says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. That's the command. Set your hope on the grace to be given you. So the first thing he's saying is, is that, that we as Christians should be full of hope. We need hope. Like, this was a rough week for our world, for our nation. And some of you are walking in a little, like, oh, oh. like your heart just kind of aches tonight because of what happened in Las Vegas, because of what happened in Puerto Rico, because of what is happening with racial tension in our country, political tension, all of this, this where the world is like broken in a way that just makes like, oh, oh. And if, guys, Peter is saying, here's what we should, how we should be as Christians, we should have our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is real. The first thing we have to have as salt company, if we're going to be salt here on this campus, is hope. Here's what Jesus said. Hey, whoever follows me, um, it basically said, whoever follows me is going to be persecuted, just like I am. Like, a student is not greater than their master. You see how they're treating me, that's how they're going to treat you. And that's not super encouraging because it's like, oh, do I really want that? Do I want to follow Jesus to the cross? I don't know. Jesus says, listen, this is how it's going to go down. And, and here's the question. My question, this is kind of what Peter's, Peter's wrestling with is, how can you have hope when life is so hard? Like when you feel like you are all alone as an exile, as a stranger in this world, how do you have hope? There was a girl in our ministry that just gave her life to Jesus last week. She just told her parents um, on Sunday and her parents were there on Saturday and she told them, she said, I gave my life to Jesus. And they said, okay, you're gonna start paying us back for all of your student, all of the money we paid for your education. Uh, we're taking your car away. We're taking everything away um, because you have left what we taught you, our version of Christianity that, you, that we taught you, and so we're taking it all away. Okay, what, what's going to be your hope when, like, everything in your life gets stripped away? Peter says, he says, we have to set our hope fully on something. We have to be filled with hope because, because life is going to be hard. Life is hard if you're not a Christian, especially if you're a Christian. Life is going to be hard. So I want to, I want to explore this idea of hope. So, so there's this guy, um, Victor Frankl, lived, um, maybe you've, you've heard uh, of him before. He wrote a book in 1946 um, called Man's Search for Meaning. And basically he was a, he was a Jew who was taken into uh, this concentration camp during Nazi Germany. And he was a, a neurologist and a kind of a psychotherapist. And basically, Viktor Frankl, when he went into the concentration camp, he uh, 
basically experienced it as a, he treated it like a big experiment. It's like, this is like, as he's starving to death, it's like, this is an interesting experiment. What happens when people lose everything? When they strip off your clothes, they cut your hair, they even rip the gold out of your teeth, and you have nothing. And he went through the concentration camp as though it were an experiment. And he published, a, he survived, and he published a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And, and here's what he, he, he discovered, super interesting. He discovered that it wasn't the healthy, strong, well-built people, kind of like me, uh, that survived. Um, he, he I'm, I'm, I'm four, I just turned 40, and I'm starting to get a little nervous because I'm losing my abs and all that. It just, your body goes to crap when you hit 40. Um, so it's all, whatever. Um, anyway, not the strong, healthy that survived, right? Guess who survived? What kind of people survived? It was the dreamers. It was the, the people who could imagine something beyond the concentration camp. It was people who had hope beyond their circumstances. He encountered two guys who were suicidal. He says this, quote, in both, in both cases of these two suicidal men, it was a question of getting them to realize that life was still expecting something from them. Something in the future was expected of them. For one man, it was his young child who was living in a foreign country. The other guy, a scientist, had a series of books he needed to finish. Hope, something in the future that gives your life meaning no matter what the circumstances. So I wanna ask you tonight, what is your hope? What is your hope that if they stripped everything away from your life, you would be good? Because you've got your soul anchored to something that's bigger than your circumstances. What is your hope? It's interesting because Peter says, here's the command is set your hope. And uh, some of you guys have the English Standard Version is, a, I think, a better translation even than what I've just read because he says the way that you do that is, you, is by preparing your mind for action and being self-controlled. And he says um, it's the hope to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. That is our hope. And he talks about in verse 19 the grace uh, the grace to be given you, actually, uh, sorry, verse 13, the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. If, if you are a Christian, if you are, if you are here tonight and you're saying, my hope is Jesus Christ, you have this to look forward to. There is going to be a day when Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the author of this story, steps onto the stage and it's over. It's done. And Jesus Christ will reveal his glory to all of us. Every eye will see, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for those who have trusted him, I love how uh, one translation says that, that when, Jesus, uh, when grace will be brought to you, grace is gonna be given to you, it says. This is what's gonna happen when Jesus shows up. I mean, that, that sounds like a, like a terrifying thing. 
in the Bible, like God is associated with light. We all watched, you know, with our glasses, the solar eclipse. And it was like, don't stare at it without your glasses. You go blind. Like Jesus, brighter than the sun, rolls up. And, and you have every reason to be excited and not terrified. Why? Because Peter says, there's going to be grace that's given you. Undeserved favor. Heaven is filled with people who don't deserve to be there. And your blessed hope in standing before Jesus Christ is not what you've done for him, but what he's done for you on the cross. And, and that's what makes what we're doing here tonight Christianity, following Jesus, different from every other religion because every other religion is like, what are you going to do for your God? The five pillars, the eight noble truths, the eightfold path. And, and Jesus says, just yet to all who would receive me, you just receive God's grace. And, and this is what we have to look forward to. Not that I'm good enough to stand before God, but Jesus has done it for me, this grace. And he says, that's what you set your hope on. Our hope is that Jesus Christ is coming and he's bringing his grace. Do you have this hope tonight? Is that, is that hope in you? That you're gonna stand before your creator, the one that knit you together when you were in your mother's womb and you're gonna stand before him. Do you have the hope that he's gonna dump grace and say, well done? And you look around and you're like, but it wasn't really well done. He's like, no, I accomplished it for you. You guys, that's our hope. And every week you come in a salt company, I hope that you guys are hearing that message. And I know you are, because uh, I know Jordan and I know Drew and I know these guys. Um, that's, that's the first thing that we gotta have if we're gonna be salt company is hope. That's set fully on the grace. The second thing is holiness. Um, holiness, verse 15 and 16, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We have an agenda here at Salt Company. And Jesus said before he left, he goes, he goes here's what I want you to be about. Go into all the world, all authority heaven and earth has been given me. Go into all the earth, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why baptism is important. Jesus said, you should be about this. But then he said, he said this, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And teaching them to obey. So, so what Jesus wants us to be about, what Peter emphasizes here is that, that God has called us to obedience or holiness, as we're saying. And there's two things I wanna say about holiness here. Is that this is what you were made for. The first thing is this. Okay, so we're going to stand before God and, and we're going to receive grace, okay? This future grace that God is going to give us empowers us. There's two things about grace. Number one is it empowers us to be obedient or to live holy lives. It empowers us. And the second thing is it motivates us. It empowers us and it motivates us. The, the first thing, let's just unpack this idea of grace empowers us. This hope that we have in future grace, it empowers us to be obedient. Look at verse 13 to 14. He says, prepare your minds for action, being self-controlled, so you're hope fully on the grace to be uh, given you in Jesus Christ is revealed. Look at 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. 
Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Okay, don't conform. Here's, here's what he's saying. This world is like, uh, it's like a river current, the culture. There's a way that the current is going. And have any of you noticed this? Like life before you became a Christian was actually much easier because it's like floating down a lazy river. That's not hard work, right? You're just kind of floating down, just chilling, enjoying the river, right? Going along with culture, doing whatever. And all of a sudden you become a Christian and you're floating down this river and you're like, I want to follow Jesus. And you turn around and all of a sudden it's like you're, you're fighting the current of the stream. All of a sudden your life gets harder. And you know, before I became a Christian, I didn't struggle with sin. There was no struggle in sin. I didn't struggle with sin. I just did it, right? Well, it's easy. Just do what you want. And Peter says, don't conform to the the current of the river because it's headed toward death, right? No, he's like, no, you're going against the current. You're... You're not to conform to the evil desires when you had, when you lived in ignorance because you were just mindless. You were, you were uh, not thinking. You were just going along with the world. And so what he's saying is that future grace empowers you to actually go against the current. And, you know, I think there's a couple things here that, that, he, that I, I think are important in this. He says, Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. This is so interesting. You guys got to hear this. He's appealing to your, to your mind. And he's saying, guys, you need to, if you're going to live the Christian life and you're going to go against the current of culture, you need to prepare your mind for action. And I think what he's saying here is you're going to have to put truth over your feelings. You're going to have to put your mind over your passions because your body is going to be telling you, oh, totally, do this. You want to do that? Totally. He's like, no, no, no. You've got to begin to take your thoughts captive, and this battle is for your mind. And you're going to have to put truth over feelings. And there's a couple things. Just write these down real quick, and we'll move on. But, but here, are the, here are the truths that you have to put over your feelings. Number one, you have to put his, the historical fact of the resurrection that's, that's one of the truths that you're going to have to put over your feelings is that, number one, the historical fact of resurrection. Verse 20, he says, Jesus was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. What he's saying is, is that Jesus Christ was revealed. I saw it. I witnessed it. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, he says, we didn't follow cleverly devised stories when, you told, when we told you about Jesus coming in power. He says, um, uh, for we ourselves were witnesses. We heard the voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter saying, I was there when Jesus was transfigured. I heard the Father's voice. He's saying, you guys, this is not a fairy tale. I'm not giving you this hope that, hey, keep chasing the treasure chest at the rainbow's end, right? That's not Christianity saying it's historical fact 
of the resurrection. The tomb was empty. Peter's saying, I saw it with my own eyes. And so the first thing when you think of, of, of being sober-minded is, is putting truth over your feelings, and, and that is the truth that Jesus Christ was indeed resurrected from the dead. It doesn't, you know, there's a saying, facts don't have feelings, right? It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's just true. Like Jesus is alive. He's here tonight. And the second thing, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, the second truth that if you're going to fight against the, against the current of culture, um, you're going to have to remember this truth that sin steals your humanity, but Jesus makes you fully alive. Sin steals your humanity, but Jesus makes you fully alive. In verse 14, he talks about the passion of ignorance. In verse 18, he says it's, it's futile, it's empty, it's broken. Your heart is, your passions, that lazy river is telling you to do all kinds of crazy things. And he's saying it's, it's futile, it's empty, it's broken, and it ends in death. So, uh, last week, Hugh Hefner died at 91. Hugh Hefner built the whole Playboy empire. And it was interesting reading the obituaries in the mainstream media about Hugh Hefner's life. And it reminded me of how hard this culture is working at maintaining this narrative that sexual freedom actually was a, a good idea. Like the porn industry, because mainstream media is like Hugh Hefner's life and the whole porn industry, it's like a monument to human freedom and the possibilities we can experience when we free ourselves of all the social norms and expectations of males and females. And, and I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, are we, are we serious? And at the same time last week, a study came out. They studied over 32,000 men. And here's what they discovered. Men who masturbate are at a much, much higher, there's a much, much higher rate of divorce among men who look at pornography and masturbate. And it's like, the world is, is, is trying to talk about sexual freedom and like, hey, this lazy river, it's awesome. We're having a good time. Everyone's having fun. We're enjoying ourselves. And, and it's like, if we just stop, we say no. I mean, if I could go around and say, I mean, look at the destruction of the porn industry. Look at the debris that Hugh Hefner's life has left behind. I mean, I talk to students all the time, and it's like, yeah, my parents got divorced. And a lot of the couples that I talk to that are having marital struggles, I mean, a lot of the time it comes back to a guy who is having sex with other women online. And it's destroying our men. It's destroying, it's objectifying our women. And Peter says, he calls it what it is. He's like, it's futile. It ends in death. It ends with so much pain and hurt. And I think if we're going to remember where that culture is going, Peter is saying, listen, if you want to 
you got to have hope. We got to have holiness. And if we're going to have holiness, we've got to set our hope on future grace. And that empowers us to be obedient by remembering truth over our emotions, over our feelings, that, that Jesus is raised, he's alive, and also that sin is going to actually steal our humanity, but Jesus is going to make us alive. Okay, um, let me just jump down to the last thing because I actually um, want to end where Peter does. He says in verse 22, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Okay, so he talked about hope. He talked about our call to holiness. And he ends this section by calling us to love. That's the third thing, love. And I think how we get here is, I think how Peter gets here is there's a danger in Christianity, right? Because if you're just always talking about the end, like, man, I'm just, Jesus is coming back. Can't wait for Jesus to just step in and save us from this mess that we're in. And, and we could fall into the trap of being so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. Have you ever met those kind of people? It's like, oh, you know, they're just talking Christian platitudes and, oh, Lord bless you, you know, and they talk about, um, just, just setting your hope, man, my hope is in, in heaven. And, and sometimes you wonder like, you know what? Yeah, but this world, like what good are you, right? If you're just focused on the future heaven. And Peter's saying the application of hope and holiness lived out into daily life is that now that you have purified yourselves, now that you're obe- obedient to the truth, you've been born again, Now, here's the application. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. You know, so that our hope, we don't, we don't treat this world um, as though it's it's meaningless and I can't wait till Jesus comes back to save us from the suffering. No, he's calling us right now to get in this world and to love our neighbors, and if we don't have love, Salt Company, if we don't have love for one another, if we don't have love for the people that sit next to us when we're sitting in this class, not at Salt Company, like somebody shut the doors, right? If we don't have hope, if we don't have holiness, if we don't have love. And, you know, I kind of grew up with this idea um, that, that um, this world is kind of like the public bathroom. If you guys, you know, public restroom, it's like, you walk into the public restroom and you know what your job is? Like your one goal when you go into a public restroom is to get out as fast as you can, right? It's like, get in, do your business, try not to touch anything and get the heck out of there, right? That's kind of how I grew up with Christian, with the world and my Christianity. It's like, this world's bad. It's going to hell in a handbasket. Just kind of get through it and Jesus will come and make everything right again. And, and, and I have like, 
traumatic memories of the public restroom, you know? And like as a kid, you know, mom and dad walking in and like, don't touch anything, you know? Now that I have kids, you know, my, my uh, like three-year-old's going into the urinal and like, is this a mint? You know, and like trying to eat it and stuff like, ah! you know, don't touch anything. And, and church, here's the thing, guys, here's what God is calling us to, is, is to engage this world with the hope that we have in Christ, to live lives that are different, that are holy, but not holy in the way that like, I'm better than you. It's that we're, we're coming under people to love them and to love each other. This is what's so fascinating about love. This is why we need to have this. In John chapter 1, this is kind of what we're going to talk about this weekend. In John chapter 1, John, a follower of Jesus, he opens his, his gospel. He says, listen, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. And in First John, so after he's writing this epistle to this little letter to, um, right before Revelation, he says, he, and he repeats a statement. He says, no one has ever seen God. He goes, but if we love one another, God's love will be made complete in us. Here's what I think he's saying. In, in John, he's like, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And then he gets to 1 John, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love will be made complete in us. I think what he's saying is this, guys. If we can model love for each other, the world is gonna get a glimpse of who God is. And when people walk into Salt Company, and as we Salt Company spread out around this campus, like people are going to see Jesus on this campus. If they see that we are a people who are marked by hope, by this unwavering optimism, if we're a people who are different, who are obedient to Christ, who are holy, um, and if we are people marked by love, and that's actually, um, we're going we're gonna to be talking about that a little more this weekend. We're actually going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. And I'm super excited to hang out with you guys and, um, and talk about this idea of, of this new community that God is pulling together called the church. And so um, I'm excited about that. Salt Company, I pray that this will be a place that when people walk in, and these are the things they experience. It's like our restaurant, we got salsa here, right? We have, we have people that have hope that no matter what happens in this world, people walk into this place and they experience hope. And they see a people who are different, not holier than thou, but they're, they're different. Like their lives are marked with flourishing and not the immorality and death and greed and all that racism and all those things, but, but they see that we're different and, and that this is a place where we, we love each other deeply. Let's pray together.
Jesus, I thank you for this grace that's going to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. That Thank you that, that it's not up to us to earn our way to you. I thank you that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, and it's not of ourselves, so that no one, no one can boast before you. Thank you that, that there's hope for everyone in this room, that, that even if, if uh, someone's here tonight who's, who's, this is the first time they've heard that, that they can be saved through Jesus Christ. And the finished work on the cross, your death, burial, resurrection, that you are alive and by hope and faith in you that they can be saved. Lord, thank you for that good news, that hope that we have, that the world can never take away. They can put us in any concentration camp or take everything away. And and we have hope because you're coming, Jesus. And help us to, to, to just love one another deeply, that this would be a place where we, we love one another deeply from the heart. God, we're from different backgrounds, different races, different you know, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, all those things, and yet we come together here. Let this be a place marked by hope, holiness, and love.